The Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity, helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times, your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine and radio show for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning in to our show. Also, thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also, thanking those who might be listening via the Keel application on their Apple or Android devices. We do thank AARP Louisiana Neighbors, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer for being the exclusive sponsors of this radio show to provide you with beneficial information each and every Saturday morning. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn about the latest in eye treatments. So stay tuned to the show for some very beneficial information for you and your loved ones. It is Saturday, April the 29th, and we are broadcasting our show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in wonderful Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept call-in questions and comments from our very loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the May issue, the best of times in one of our 270 distribution locations. We do thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. Remember, if you're unable to find one of our printed copies at our 270 distribution locations, you can always visit our popular website at thebestoftimesnews.com. You can view current and past issues for the past six years, as well as you can download and view the current 2023 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory. In addition, you can listen to previously broadcast radio shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Great news, our friends at Ernest Arlene's has brought back the Best of Times special dinner each and every Thursday from 4.30 p.m. to closing with fabulous meals at highly discounted price of only $25. It is highly recommended due to the popularity of this Thursday night special to make advance reservations by calling 318-226-1325. Again, that's 318-226-1325. Our friends at Centerwell Senior Primary Care and the Best of Times invite you to the Senior Health Expo that will take place on Saturday, May the 20th from 8.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. at Centerwell's location located in Bossier City. Free admission, free parking, light refreshments and snacks, resource information, giveaways will be offered by the many exhibitors, free tours of their center. And again, attendees will be able to pick up the newly released 2023 Silver Pages Senior Research Director as well as the current May edition of the Best of Times. In addition, the uh, attendees there will be part. We're going to be broadcasting this show, a live remote broadcast. The Best of Times Radio Hour will take place at 9 a.m., where I'll be interviewing some special guests. So, again, pick up the May issue, The Best of Times, to learn more about this senior health fair on May 20th. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and Eber, Standing Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and Abers, tenant country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep 
dealer. Joining me on my radio show today is a very, very special guest and friend, Dr. Chris Shelby. And he is the principal physician and eye surgeon with Willis Knighton's Eye Institute, at, which has several locations in the Shreveport and Bossier City area. So, Dr. Shelby, thank you for joining us today again here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Yeah, it's great to be here, Gary. Thanks for having me again. It's been a few years. It has uh, been. But I know I've aged. You haven't aged a bit. <laughs> well, yeah, you're, I appreciate you're, you're still the young man, <laughs> the young physician who... Okay, I got to ask you a quick question. But somebody asked me that, not the same lady I was talking about earlier. How long have you been in practice? So I've been in practice since 2003. 2003. So 20 years. So I was one of your first patients. You were one of my first patients at, at my original clinic. That's right. You sure were. Wow, time flies. And you look great. You still look the same. Thank Gary. you, thank you, thank you. So, yes, everybody, that's transparency. He's, he is my ophthalmologist, and he's done a lot of procedures and helped me, and as well as I can think I can breach my wife and my wife as well. So and many of my friends and relatives and and thousands and thousands of people in the Arklatex. But again, I, he's done remarkable. And I'm seeing like I've never seen before. I'm seeing like a 20 year old. I nice. told him that when yeah. I had my my cataracts and my lens and pants, it was like, wow, what a change in not having to wear those contacts that I had for many, 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 many. many 18 years old, I yeah. have contacts. Well, you know, we have the best job ever. You know, I tell people that all the time. And, and so, because, you know, as, as your cataract developed, you know, you knew you weren't seeing as well as you used to. And the double whammy is, is that you had cataracts and you've had to wear contacts. And you've had to do that since, like you said, you were 18 years old. And so now with cataract surgery, we're able to get you seeing better, of course. Oh, wow. But we can also get you seeing how you want to see. So like with the monovision that you have, one eye distance, one eye up close. Well, you have some great memory. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you're a memorable patient. You're just a memorable <laughs> person overall, Gary. Okay. You know? And so, but with that monovision, you know, we're able to tune that in to the power of the implant that we put in. So at the time of your surgery, we correct any nearsightedness or astigmatism or farsightedness, and we can put you in focus exactly where we want you, which is what we did. And I, I will tell you, there hasn't been any adjustments needed in all those many years, which has been like almost 10 years. I yeah, it's, 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 it's been a little while. And So somebody wanted to ask me, um, uh, so what is your favorite patient to work on in their eye conditions? Is it cataracts? Absolutely. That, that's what, what we do is... I like to classify it as therapeutic refractive surgery. And what that means is people who uh, have blurred vision for whatever reason, we can take them and do cataract surgery or LASIK or PRK or SMILE. We can do a procedure and get them seeing better uncorrected. And my absolute favorite patient out there is a farsighted cataract patient. Farsighted cataract patient. Why is that? Well, because when... when in, to explain nearsightedness and farsightedness real quick, you know, nearsightedness means that you can see up close. You can mm -hmm. see near. So Sorry. you take your glasses, contacts out, you can read. Mm -hmm. Farsighted patients are the opposite. So their distance vision is good. They just can't read up close. But really farsighted patients, their focal point is beyond infinity. And what that means is that without glasses or contacts in, their distance vision's blurry, mm -hmm. their computer vision's blurry, and their near vision is blurry. Wow. And so, you know, everything's relative to what you're used to. Mm -hmm. And we're used to being blind. Being able to see is wonderful. It so is. suddenly they can see distance and their intermediate vision's better. And maybe they have to wear readers for up close. But suddenly they're not dependent on glasses or contacts for everything. They're wonderful. Oh, wow. 
So explain to our listeners that maybe don't understand what is a cataract and what causes them. Yeah, cataract is is actually just a a, a name for your lens, your God-given lens, and because we're all born with a clear lens that is crystal clear and the consistency of jello, okay? And it, it allows us to focus. And over time, that your lens turns kind of yellowish brown. And why is that? Well, birthdays mainly. As we get older, as we get older, those are natural changes. And so somebody who's had perfect vision, you know, and suddenly when they hit their 40s, they lose that ability to read up close. And they lose that because your lens becomes more rigid. So it can't focus in up close like it used to. So your arms aren't quite long enough. You put on reading glasses. And then over time, that rigidity increases, so your lens becomes more rigid, but it also begins to turn kind of a yellowish brown. And technically, it's because the protein goes from uh, high molecular or low molecular weight to high molecular weight, loses water content. It's like taking a clear glass of water, mm-hmm. and you slowly pour Coca-Cola in there. Oh, it turns okay. kind of yellowish brown. And it's like a glacier moving. You know, it, it's very slow over time. It's not you wake up one day and you can't see. And but these changes happen. You begin to have glare at nighttime, trouble reading small print and dim situations, uh, and you you just don't see as well as you used to. You know. But isn't it like my my experience many years ago? It was little light blotches, and I thought it was uh, items on my contact lids. I mm-hmm. think when I went first to see you, I said, you know, I was in Mexico and I kept having a difficult time in driving because I kept taking my contacts off and cleaning and it wouldn't it wouldn't yeah. take off that whatever it was smudge it was on my on my lens. And yeah. you said it's not on your lens, Gary. Your <laughs> lenses are perfectly clean. You've got early stage cataracts. Yeah. Yeah. So there it could be glumps too, right? Oh sure. And 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 there the the name cataract just means any opacity or hazy haziness oh, okay. of your, of your God given lens. And like in our diabetics, a lot of times our diabetics will develop cataracts fairly rapidly. Mm-hmm. And the type that they get is this haze on the back part of the lens. And those are very, very symptomatic, kind of like what you're describing. It's like you feel like you got to take your glasses off all the time and clean them. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do, you're not seeing better. You get them updated, and it doesn't help. And then we come. We take is it hereditary? Somebody wanted me to ask you. Is it hereditary? If, if my father, parents, siblings, whatever had it, is it hereditary? It, it, can, it can be. There are certain cataracts that we'll see that have a, a hereditary pattern to them. Uh, and it's not uncommon for us to see somebody in their 40s or 50s and we say, hey, you got cataracts. That's a good news because we can get you seeing better. And they're like, wow, you know, my dad or my mom had cataracts when she or he was in their 40s or 50s. So what's the earliest onset of cataracts and, and procedures? What's well, the th- there's actually pediatric cataracts out there. Really? So, I never know, knew that. Mm-hmm. Children can be born uh, with cataracts. Uh, and that's just an anatomical. Um, it's, a, it's a failure of the breakdown of the blood vessels uh, in the eyeball. And they'll get these, these hazy patches on their lens. And if they're visually symptomatic, then we have to remove them. Okay, the other follow-up question about about cataracts. Do we know what causes them other than it, is it – I mean, I'm just going to tell you wives' tales that some people have, have told others and have you told me many years ago. You know, don't let this – don't get – overheated in your head and your eyes because it may gel your eye your eyes and your cataracts and not cataracts your whatever it's called there your, your lenses, lenses yeah is that true or false so the overheating not so much uh but uv exposure 
you know, can cause cataracts to develop a little bit faster, we're pretty sure. So, you know, if you're younger, wear sunglasses when you're outside. You know, that'll help to slow progression. It's one of those things where cataracts are going to happen over time. Mm-hmm. You know, when somebody who's 80 years old, they've never had cataract surgery, they come see us, we will see color change of their God-given lens. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not necessarily symptomatic, meaning that doesn't mean it needs to come out. Just because we see a cataract in somebody's eye, we like to let them know, hey, you got these cataracts, you may have these symptoms, but if it's not bothering you and your vision's still good, then we're just going to watch it. So, wow. But the, the UV protection, sunglasses, uh, what we do know is diet can be very important. Mm, uh, that's I why like diabetics will end up getting uh, cataracts sooner rather than later. Certain medications can cause it, especially steroids. Uh, smoking, obviously, you know, things like that can cause cataracts to develop a little bit faster. So I just got the, the steroids. So many people take steroids for mm-hmm. all different reasons now. That yeah. can that can exacerbate and cause cataracts? Absolutely. Matter of fact, when we see one of those cataracts that we associate with diabetes, mm-hmm. which we call a posterior subcapsular cataract, they're very symptomatic. And they come on very rapidly, you know, over the course of several months. And one of the questions, if they're not diabetic, that I will ask them is, have you used any steroids for any reason? Okay. Oral, inhaled, nasal, injected. You know, you go, Mm -hmm. you got the flu, somebody gives you a little cortisone shot. That can cause cataracts to develop faster. Not in every case, but it is something that, that we do see. Well, that's interesting to to note that there mm-hmm. could be. I never heard about that the side effects there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, can cataracts, like in my scenario, quick onset, like you're uh, two weeks before you everything's perfectly clear and everything, and then all of a sudden, can they can they come up that quickly? So the, they'll usually the symptoms like what you experience is like mm-hmm. the beginning of the month I was doing fine, now I'm not doing fine, mm-hmm. and we see that all the time okay. and the reality is unless we saw you at the beginning of the month and mm-hmm. then we saw you at that time we're not really sure what's happened but generally what happens is this is that you're using both eyes together because mm-hmm. that's how we do it and so both eyes have little cataracts in there and you're cruising along and then suddenly one cataract begins to get worse than the other one and you begin to lose depth perception things like that that loss of depth perception feels like it happens suddenly mm-hmm. you know it's like oh wow I'm, there's something's going on. I'm not seeing as well. And so it's like an apex. You know, this cataract has been growing, and then suddenly the symptoms just get overwhelming. And so it feels like the cataract came on all of a sudden. Okay. Now, the cataracts, those ones like we see with diabetes, steroids, certain medications, things like that, those can grow very rapidly over, and like I said, over the course of several months, which in our time frame is a very short amount of time. And those do bring those symptoms on very quickly. You know, it seems like within the course of a few weeks, it's like, wow, I just can't see like I did at the beginning of April. So how early should a individual, let's say we're talking about grandparents raising grand grandchildren should they visit an ophthalmologist each and every year at least once a year yeah that, that's generally the recommended that, that's what we recommend for people who are over the age of let's say 55 let's give it let's give an easy number over the age of 55 about every two years is a good idea sure. to get your your eyes checked and the thing about eye exams is this is that what we're looking for are the things that you're unaware of glaucoma which is high pressure in the eye that damages your nerve that is asymptomatic, meaning that there's no symptoms whatsoever. And we do know pressure rises naturally after the age of 55. 
So it's good to get that screened. We like to do a dilated exam or a picture of the back of the eye to make sure there's no early macular degeneration because that can come on without any symptoms. And being able to get ahead of that is, is very important. But the thing about your eyes is there's two things. They shouldn't hurt, all right, so you shouldn't be mm-hmm. aware of them. And your vision should be stable. Now, that may be stable, clear, or stable, blurry, mm-hmm. you know, but your vision shouldn't be different than it has been. And so if your eyes are hurting you or your vision is different, we need to take a look. And, and correct me if I'm not wrong about this one, but I, when I had you on my show a few years ago, I, did not, I was not aware of this, that ophthalmologists have an, a distinct viewpoint of somebody's back of the eye where they can detect early diabetes. Is that right? Sure. Absolutely. So the back of your eye is the only place that we can see blood vessels, nerves, and just tissue without having to cut you open or do imaging. Wow. And so we see the blood vessels running through the retina so we can tell if somebody's got high blood pressure. Way before they're even probably mm-hmm. diagnosed. Yeah, because the, the vessels get a little tortuous. You know, they're not nice and smooth. And and we and diabetes, of course, damages little bitty blood vessels like capillaries. Mm-hmm. And that can cause bleeding. And so we can see those changes in the back of the eye. And tell our listeners, which I've been with you since 2003, technology of your instruments have gone crazy, right? Oh, crazily high tech. I remember yeah. the first time I was there. Some of it was really antiquated, but it was high tech back in 2003. But now, 2023, wow. It's amazing. It's like Star Wars technology. And, you know, Moore's Law is in, you know, computers and tech. And it's every 18 to 24 months, technology doubles and the price drops in half. You know, it's Moore's Law, <laughs> one of the Intel guys. And, and so, and we see that in ophthalmology, or you see that in, in a lot of these subspecialties, and, and our technology really has blown up. It's amazing. My partner, Dr. Coleman, you know, the stuff that we use now, half of it uh, wasn't even here when he got here, you know, and he's been with me about 10 years. And so it, it's just amazing how fast this stuff uh, uh, changes. And you and your technicians have to learn this new stuff, which probably, you know, it's not going to take you that long. It's going to be just a little improvement, but some of it's pretty high-tech improvement, correct? It, it is, and, and we're, we're early embracers. And so when something comes out that's new that we view <laughs> as being able to benefit our patients, uh, and actually what we do is we look at how does it benefit our outcomes. You know, okay, because good. good like, outcome. like when you come in for cataract surgery, you don't really care about cataract surgery. You just want to see better, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's what we're trying to do is get you seeing better very accurately and very predictably and very safely. And so when one of those technologies comes out that improves one of those three variables, then we're going to embrace it. Okay, so this is probably a stupid question, but no, nothing stupid. What happens to all the old technical equipment? Do we ship those to other countries or we put them in the garbage disposal? I mean, what happens to all yeah, that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they end up in the warehouse with the Ark of the Covenant, you know, oh, yeah, like Raiders right, of the Lost Ark. You know, so. Good point. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of technology that probably still good, still has some bearing in certain parts oh, of the world. Absolutely. And honestly, what we do is like, so let's say one of the companies that we work with, Company A, has a new technology. Well, if, if we want to embrace it, then we will purchase that technology. And of course, they will take the older technology as a trade. 
and then they will give it or sell it to you know the third world countries or somewhere where Good. that's that newer technology. Yeah, they've, yeah. They've been throwing in the dumpster, and you know no, no, somebody no, yeah. can make use of it. Sure, because just because we embrace all the new technology doesn't mean everybody does. We we're early adopters. Good. And so, when, matter of fact, we have what's called an arc scan where we can actually scan the cornea. Uh, very finely, and it's actually amazing the type of detail we can get. And what we're looking for is is keratoconus and other type of disease processes after cataract surgery or LASIK. Well, our serial number was 50. Who? Yeah, so we had the 50th, 50th? one in the world. Wow, that's yeah. impressive. It's pretty cool. No, I'm telling you, when I go up for follow-up business, I'm amazed how how intricate some of those machines are and how well. Okay, so I had an individual wanted to ask me about their uh, grandchild thinking that I've seen it. I've seen more kids, really young kids in glasses. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you determine most of them can't even read and see the letters on the wall. How, how does the system know that they are in need of, of glasses or enhancements for their, for their vision? Uh, That's a really good question. And, And one of the, the recent articles was talking about the prevalence of myopia in children. Hmm. And one of the th- reasons we believe there's such a, a prevalence in myopia, which is nearsightedness, yeah. by the way, is because everybody is now attached to phones, iPads, things like that. <laughs> but there's also a lot less time spent outside. Oh. And so, you know, like you've heard blue light and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. Well, blue light from the sun is actually a good thing. And it, it shuts down melatonin production. So going outside, getting a face full of sun, don't stare at the sun, but getting a face full of it in the mornings actually can make your day better. But it's also believed that sunlight in children helps to reduce the incidence of myopia. Mm. And that is one of the things that we're seeing. And honestly, I, I don't think we're going to change because technology is going to continue and, you know, I've had young kids, and when iPads came out, I was like, oh, my gosh, the best digital babysitter ever, you know. And so <laughs> I think – and, and myopia is not a huge deal. You know, obviously, it's – got to wear glasses or contacts. But uh, some children will be uh, farsighted. So they have to have glasses in order for their eyes not to turn in. And the good news is, is that's an easy treatment. And nowadays, there's screenings much earlier in schools than there used to be. You know, the human body is fascinating, and it's very efficient. And so the visual system does not develop until after you're born. Because if you imagine in utero, in the womb, there's no light. Yeah, obviously not. And so there's no reason for your body to waste any energy developing these neural pathways when there's no signal coming in. So when a child is born and they open their eyes... At that moment, these visual pathways begin to develop between the eye and the brain. And so it's very important that the signal that's coming in in both eyes is equal. Because if it's not equal, then the eye that's getting the better signal will develop a stronger pathway between the eye and the brain than the eye that's not getting a good signal. And that's what we call lazy eye. Okay. Okay. When one eye just doesn't Mm -hmm. see as well as the other one. And that's when you see kids wearing a patch and things like that, because when that lazy eye is picked up, which is picked up in school usually, or mom or dad will see the eye turn in or out and then bring them to us or a pediatric ophthalmologist, then we can pick up on any refractive error. And we patch the good eye 
and we correct the bad eye and we force it to see as well as possible. And we'll actually watch vision improve in kids up until they're 18 and even into their early 20s. Wow, how good. Well, hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now, work my sponsors and advertisers or do make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, Stunning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 101.7 FM and 710 Kiel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, stunning country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a special guest and friend, Dr. Christopher Shelby, a, the principal physician and eye surgeon with the willis Knighton Eye Institute that has several locations in the Shreveport and Bossier City area. Right? Is that correct? I know that, you have Shreveport, that, many locations correct. throughout the throughout the Shreveport yeah. and Bossier City, and been pri- he's been practicing. I learned I didn't forgot about this. Two thousand and three, so it's twenty, 20 years, years ago. Twenty years. That's correct. God, you look like you started last week. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're so young. I'm not sure. Okay, you're so like, young. I'm, I'm saying okay. young. Then. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. He's, you've got a lot of experiences. So, do you have a notch every time you do a cataract surgery? You, you put a I notch guess so. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's true. I have a notch in my belt. In the FACO machine. <laughs> so so when people suspect they have cataracts, hopefully they visited their ophthalmologist at least once or twice a year uh, from 55 on. What 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 do we do? What What's your what's your recommendation? So it, it, when you find out you have cataracts, the, this is the way I see cataracts. Uh, if somebody has a cataract and they come to me and they ask me what to do about it, it's no different than if you had really long hair <laughs> and you go to a barber and you're like, what should I do about it? You know, because we know that the results are wonderful. People see better. But the reality is, is that if your vision's not bothering you, it's not bothering me. And what I like to tell people is you have cataracts, and that's very normal. It's nothing to freak out about. You're going to notice these symptoms like the glare mm-hmm. at nighttime, trouble, fine details and dim situations. If those symptoms are not affecting your quality of life, then we'll just watch them. And so that's what happens with most people. We let them know. Like, for instance, when I started practice in 2003, uh, I can remember a number of patients. I'm like, well, you have cataracts, and this is what's going to happen. And a lot of them we didn't operate on until some of them recently. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it can go 10, 15, 20 years before somebody gets to a point that one of two things happens. One, and most commonly, is the symptoms get to a point where they're just not enjoying the things they like to do. Okay. They can't play golf as well because they, well, not we can't make you play golf better, but, you know, you <laughs> lose the ball real quickly or the hunters, they can't see dusk and dawn. They're even through their scope. They're not seeing very well. Um, you can't thread the needle like you used to. And the colors are becoming washed out. And, and so you stop doing those things you like. It's time to have cataract surgery. And the second reason would be you got two choices on your driver's license. You can either stop <laughs> driving because you can't see well enough to get your driver's license or have cataract surgery. Ah. And, and that's really the only time that, that I make strong suggestions that people get their cataract out, you know, okay. because there's nothing I can do for their license except for cataract surgery. So in, in essence, it's medically necessary, but to the extent to the person's individual desire to see better more quickly i mean mm-hmm. I'm, I'm telling everyone uh it's it was night and day difference to me i mean i could see before but it was like wow yeah 
and without the need of wearing, I mean, we're going to talk about even after cataract surgery, some people need glasses, right? Readers mm-hmm. and others. Sure. And it all depends, like I said, how you want to see. Um, it, the good news about cataract surgery nowadays, Gary, is we got a lot of choices. The bad news about cataract surgery nowadays is we got a lot of choices, you know. <laughs> Too and, many choices. Well, there's all these lens choices, and people go to websites, and they're like, I've seen the light adjustable. I've seen the pan. I've, I've seen this lens and that lens. Which one should I get? And we really do a disservice by throwing all these lenses out there. The question that needs to be answered is, how do you want to see when we're done? Do you want to have the best possible distance vision? Do you want to be glasses-free? Do you not care about wearing glasses? You know, are you somebody who's worn them for so long, the grandkids wouldn't recognize you without them, and you want to wear glasses after cataract surgery? That's perfectly fine. You know, those are the the answers that need to be. So they need to make the choices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just need to make the choice. And based on how their eye is, meaning that as long as the eye is relatively healthy and the only thing going on is the cataracts, then most patients are a candidate for any way they want to see. So, again, tell them it's a it's a pretty not it's it's complex surgery, but it's quick. You don't have to be there a week. Oh no! Like in the old days, you had to stay in there. We're talking many years ago. Oh yeah. But well, and when you think about many years ago, it really wasn't that long ago. When I mean, there's a picture that I have at home of my great grandfather when my grand my dad was probably fifteen twenty. And he was standing there with my dad, and he's got these really thick, you know, big Coke bottle glasses on. And we call those aphakic spectacles because back in the day, what would happen is it was a big incision, mm-hmm. 180 degrees. Your lens was delivered like a baby, and there was no lens put back in, and there was a lot of stitches put in. You wow. were in the hospital for two to three days with sandbags on the side of your head because the complication rate was so high. And what was the sandbag to keep it so from So you moving? would move your head oh. to allow that wound to heal. Where now you come in and we give you a little IV sedation. Uh, some patients don't even get sedation because they don't want I know. I'm not one of those. I'm like, look, if it's, <laughs> it, like my dad used to say, it's all minor surgery. Unless it's on me, then it's all major surgery. You know, so I want to not know as much as possible. I remember I was completely out. Remember, I remember that in 2000, whatever you did, but I was yeah. completely out. I didn't want to even have the option. Yeah, and, and that's that's the way most people are. But some, some folks are like, no, no I'll, I'll do this just with topical medication. So a little bitty incision is made, actually two. Uh, the biggest one is 2.4 millimeters. It's very wow. small. Very small. Uh, we use an ultrasound that's very finely controlled to break up the cataract, and then it has a vacuum attached to it that sucks it out. Once we have that out, we slip that new lens in. The surgery is 6 to 10 minutes. That's all. Yeah, there's no stitches. And most patients notice an immediate improvement in vision. You know, by the time we roll them out to the preoperative area, it's like, wow, things are brighter, more colorful. Okay, here's a, here's another interesting question because I mentioned it to somebody. They said, well, how in the world can they have no stitches? They've advertised that. They promote that. Mm-hmm. How can they do They make an incision. It's so like, the cornea is a dome structure, so it's not flat. And we're not making an incision directly into it. And if you can imagine, if you're a visual person, you'll be able to see this. There's a dome. The incision looks like a Z from the side. So we go in, we go up, and then we go in. And what happens is, based on where we make it, the pressure from behind the eye makes it a self-sealing wound. Oh, And okay. the diameter, it's small enough to where it's it, it, it self-seal. It's great. I mean, literally, one, I may put a suture. I can't remember... The last time I put a stitch in, which was probably 10,000 cases ago. Wow. 
Yeah. Now, there's some cases we go into special situations where we put special lenses in where we know we're going to put a stitch in. But for routine, normal cataract surgery, there are no stitches. That's amazing. That yeah, is totally amazing. Cool. And, but it, and it heals itself quickly. Tell them. Mm-hmm. And you do one eye one time and another eye the second time. Is that true? Or right. We, we, we change now. No, we, do, we still do one eye at a time. And a lot of that has to do with standard of care. I mean, there's some institutions out there that will do same-day cataract surgery. We are not one of them. And the, there's two reasons for that. One, it's standard of care because, you know, like for that first eye to heal a little bit, at least for 24 to 48 hours before we do the second one. Uh, and then the second reason is is insurance, Medicare, all that stuff only pays for one eye at a time. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That was in the Medicare program. I never knew that. Yeah. It only pays for one eye at a time. One eye at a time. And people say, well, you can use modifiers or this or that. But still, it comes back to the standard of care. And and we usually do them within the same week. You know, it used to be a couple of weeks apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that drove a lot of people crazy, you know, because <laughs> you got one eye. And they spend their time checking between the two. And it's such a dramatic difference for some people that doing them within the same week, which is generally what we do, like a Monday, Thursday, Monday, Wednesday, something like that, or doing them a week apart is ideal. So that way you're down for the count for a week, and then after that week you're back to routine activities. Okay, Chris. So another, Dr. Shelby, another question that I hear, hear from people, you mentioned it. There's so many choices in the lens, lens lenses, and now you're having all these sophisticated patients what probably their grandkids and their kids are telling uh, grandpa and dad, look at, you've got 19 choices to pick from that you yeah. can, and <laughs> I'm sure they're printing it out and showing it to you. Is that mind boggling? It's like picking a car. You know, it is. That? I mean, it, it really is. And, and like I said, it comes, we have to simplify things. So it comes down to, okay, what do your eyes look like? What do you like to do most of the time? You know, if you, if they're not retired, if you were retired today, what would you, what would your day look like? And then based on those answers and how, what their visual demands are, then we can make suggestions based on that. Okay, well, here's one. I'm going to tell on me. when I'm, <laughs> Dr. Shelby gave a remarkable presentation with about 400 people, and he invited me. So I attended as a guest, and I'm in the back of the room, and he was telling about the latest grade. This was several years ago. Mm-hmm. You, do you remember this? I do. I do remember and that. And so that I raised my hand up because he was telling everybody about the latest, greatest, and I'd had mine like five years. And I gave a great, great testimony for Dr. Shelby and the staff and everybody. But then I asked one question, and everybody was saying, I'm, I hope he asks this, because the lady next to me said, so, Dr. Shelby, I had the old version. Is there any way I can get the newest high-tech <laughs> version that you just talked about today? Yeah. And what was your answer? Uh, generally, it's it's no. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. what you said. That's... Gary, it's working. You're seeing good. Yeah. You're, you're, you're 2010. You mentioned all the factors. Why do you want to get the new one? But yeah. it's like you want to get the uh, the, the, high, the high-tech with the more gadgets, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, that that's one of the biggest drawbacks about cataract surgery nowadays is when something new does come out, the, the technical aspects of removing the old lens and putting that new one in there, it's not worth the risks that are involved. Uh, but there is some good news about that, that patients who've had cataract surgery even 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and that was back in the day when we really, we measured for a lens, put the lens in, and the results you got was kind of what you got. Mm-hmm. We can actually do LASIK, PRK. We can do these procedures on post-cataract patients to enhance the vision. Wow. Yeah, that's I why a lot heard of people that. don't know that. No. So it can improve what you've got currently? Mm-hmm. Sure. 
So I, let's what, say, what is it? I mean, I'm, don't go into technical, but you, you do some just lasering on the surface of the eye. So on the uh, surface of the eye, exactly. So light LASIK for somebody who is 20, 30 years old that wants to get out of glasses or mm-hmm. contacts. You know, of course, you've heard of LASIK. So right. we do LASIK on them. We create a thin flap on the surface of the eye. Then we do a laser to reduce the the nearsightedness, astigmatism, or farsightedness. So by the next day, they're good to go. We wow. can do that same thing on, on post-cataract patients. That is amazing technology. So who's candidates for that? <laughs> uh, honestly, just about just about everybody. We, so, but we have to see them first, you know, to make sure. So... So a candidate would be somebody that's maybe not the 2010 or their 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 visual is not as good as it was initially. Is Correct. that what? Tra- oh. So okay. for instance, like for you, we were shooting for monovision. Mm-hmm. You know, and let's say for whatever reason that you might explain what monovision is. A lot oh, of so mono, okay, so monovision is is one way to get you out of glasses after cataract surgery or even with contact lenses to where we maximize your dominant eye. You know, the one you look at with a through a camera with mm-hmm. or a telescope, or whatever. For distance. So that eye sees very well at distance, doesn't see real well at close. And the non-dominant eye, your other eye, we get you to where you can see up close. Maybe not very well at a distance, but what happens is your brain blends those images. And so we call it blended vision, but it's technically monovision. So one eye sees one way, one eye sees the other way. Works amazingly well, as you know. Yes. And so in that situation, let's say you came out and you weren't perfect. Like, okay, I can read up close. My distance isn't very good. Or, man, my distance is great. I'm not reading up close very well. Or you had some regression over time. Then what we can do is let's say your distance eye is a little nearsighted, and that's causing a blur at a distance. Then we can do a LASIK enhancement on that distance eye to sharpen your distance vision even further. Wow. And so that being said, patients who are dependent 100% of the time on on glasses after cataract surgery we can do lasik on them to minimize their dependence on glasses that's amazing that is amazing well hold that thought we'll be right back with more information but now we're my sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible you're listening to the best of times radio hour here on news radio 710 keel proudly presented by aarp louisiana neighbors town and country of shreveport your dodge chrysler ram and jeep dealer Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana Neighbors, Tenant Country Ifs Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a special guest and friend, Dr. Christopher Shelby, who is the principal physician and eye surgeon with Willis Knighton's Eye Institute at several locations in the Shreveport and Bossier City area. If you have questions with uh, that, his Dr. Shelby and his staff can answer you about eye conditions, eye treatments, cataracts, etc. Do call their office at two one. Two three nine three seven. Again, that's two one two three nine three seven. Or you can visit their offices at seventy six oh seven Uri Drive mm-hmm. here in Shreveport, and their website is thecataractsurgeons.com. Thecataractsurgeons.com. So continuing, we talked about cataracts, but I think the the the, uh, the evidence of people having glaucoma is mm-hmm. increasing. Is that true? It is. It is, and, and glaucoma, of course, is high pressure 
in the eye that damages the optic nerve. And, and the, the issue with glaucoma is, is that it's asymptomatic. So you don't, by the time you get a blur from glaucoma, mm-hmm. it's too late. Wow. And so that's one of the reasons, oh yeah, that's one of the reasons to uh, get checked up on a yearly basis or so. And, and that's one of the first things we check is pressure when you come in for an exam. The good news nowadays is we can treat glaucoma very easily. You know, obviously drops are helpful, lasers. But at the time of cataract surgery, we're able to treat most glaucoma. At the time of cataract surgery? Mm-hmm. At the time of cataract surgery. And we call it MIGS, M-I-G-S, which is Minimally Invasive Glaucoma Surgery. And when, when you think about glaucoma, it's like, okay, why is the pressure in the eye high? Well, we're not really 100% sure why. But if you think about it like a plumbing system, either too much fluid is produced or not enough is being drained out. So how do you combat that? Well, I mean, you either reduce the amount of fluid being produced or you increase the amount drained out. And that's what we do at the time of surgery. Because when we're in the eye, I can see that drain all the way around. And when we take the cataract out, we put the new lens in where the iris, which is the colored part of your eye, inserts into the sclera. The white part of your eye is what we call the angle. And we can see the drain. So while we're in there, I can dilate the drain. I can remove the filter that overlies the drain. Uh, Most commonly what I do is I dilate the drain and I put a stent in. And so the stent goes in that drain, keeps it open, and allows more fluid to drain out. More fluid to come out. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it relieves the pressure. It does. And it works amazingly well. Does not increase the... or well, let me put it this way: it does not decrease the safety profile of cataract surgery at all, oh. and most patients never know it's in there. Just their pressure is better controlled. Wow! So, so again, it's important. That's why to get an examination about because, as you said, if it's if it's glaucoma, major issue, it's going to be later on, mm-hmm. and if you need to cataract early as anything. Cat, find the problem early as early as possible and treat it. Correct. That's, that's correct. So, so any, any family history of glaucoma, and this is for people whose eyes are normal. You know, like, oh, I see fine, I don't need to see mm-hmm. an eye doctor. But if there's a family history of glaucoma, anything like that, just get checked. It's easy. It takes two seconds to check the eye pressure. Any other symptoms that a person with glaucoma, do they have high blood pressure? Do they have uh, other other high Yeah, it's fine. Well, any, any other metabolic disease, you know, hypertension, diabetes, things like that, that's more closely associated with glaucoma. Uh, but ironically, high blood pressure is protective against glaucoma damage. You know, of course, that's an oxymoron. You want to make sure you control <laughs> your blood pressure. Right. Uh, but the, the any of those disease processes can be associated with glaucoma itself. Okay. Anything more about glaucoma you want to emphasize, or you want to? Not, not really. Like I said, the vast majority of them, the the most common one we see is painless, asymptomatic. So make sure. Uh, and if you've ever been told you have high pressure, make sure you do go for those yearly exams. Okay, because it could increase exponentially quickly, huh? Sure, absolutely. Okay, what about macular degeneration? Macular degeneration, you know, of course, it, it's it's the one of our scourges. You know, we, we try to treat that as much as possible. There, the new treatments that people may have seen out there is is to treat a variety of macular degeneration we call geographic atrophy geographic atrophy and so when we look in the back of the eye we see your macula which is the very center of your vision Mm -hmm. you know that's like when you're i'm looking at that keel sign that's being projected onto my macula if my macula didn't work i'd be able to see everything around it but not right there in the center 
And so there's dry and there's wet. I'm sure you've heard of those mm -hmm. two. The wet form is the one that we use injections to treat because wet just means you're getting bleeding and leakage from the blood vessels. Oh. Geographic atrophy is one of the worst ones we see because there's nothing that's bleeding or leaking. It's literally like a slow grass fire, so the scar begins to expand out into the periphery. And it's really devastating, and, and there's not a whole lot of treatments available now. Um, there's a, a thing we call the complement cascade, which is a part of your allergy immune inflammatory system that they have picked up on these uh, complement uh, radicals that, that are present during geographic atrophy. And the newer treatments help to reduce those. And so with that, it's not so much to make it better, it's to prevent it from getting worse. Oh, preventative to get it mm -hmm. worse. And that's... Uh, you know that's that's a that's a success story right there. Oh yeah, I mean, and and a lot. That's a that's the complement system they're working on. You know, the, the probably the true gene therapy that we'll be able to utilize. They're working on gene therapy, okay, uh, to help prevent this type of macular degeneration. Because you know the issue is is it, like I said, we have the best job ever in certain <laughs> situations. You know, like you have a cataract, you come in, I take your cataract out, put a new lens in, you see better forever. Mm -hmm. When somebody has that type of macular degeneration. There's nothing. There's really not a whole lot we can do, not yet. But it, but hopefully in the near future something mm -hmm. may be done. Yeah. Those scientists are working. And do you do clinical trials? I can't remember. So we, we uh, have started doing clinical trials. We have a research fellow, and oh. we're actually kind of creating our own little research department Great. within. Great. Uh, our little spot in Willis Knighton, and we will be starting to do a whole lot more clinical research. Well, I wish you the best in that. It's important that that be done. It is, absolutely. And hopefully you find enough candidates that will volunteer to participate in part of your clinical study. Yeah, I think we will. Well, thank you for joining us today. You were wonderful again, and I've learned. I learned a lot. I hope my, I know my listeners out there in Radio Land will have learned a lot as well. If you have questions, do call their offices two one two thirty nine thirty seven. It's two one two thirty nine thirty seven. They're located several offices in the Shreveport and Bossier City area. They're one of their main offices at seventy six oh seven Uri Drive in Shreveport. So thank you, Doctor Shelby. Best wishes to you again, and thank you for being on our show and yeah, educating for, me. Yeah, absolutely, Gary. Thanks for having me. I always enjoy it. Have a wonderful day. You too. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy, The Best of Times, at one of our 270 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Kaligas, wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 9 a.m. for more Best of Times. This is 1017 FM and 710 Keel.